Hello, everyone, and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Tara Stingley, a partner with Klein Williams in Omaha, Nebraska. Along with bringing you updates and critical events happening around the world, we're also fortunate to have the chance to dial in our local ELA lawyers. These good folks practice on the ground in jurisdictions around the globe, working daily to help their clients move through these difficult times. On the program, we span the globe with updates on critical issues from ELA members in each region. Today, we're chatting with my colleague, Daniel Oldenburg. Dan is a partner with Klein Williams in Lincoln, Nebraska, and specializes in immigration law. And today, Dan's gonna talk with us about what immigration law changes employers can expect under the Biden-Harris administration. Welcome to the program, Dan. Thanks for having me. So we've heard a lot about many of the large scale changes in immigration policy already put into place by the Biden administration. Do you have a sense of what these changes will look like and how they're going to affect employers? Well, that's a great question, Tara. And I think the short answer is that employers should be able to expect that it'll be easier and maybe faster for them to hire the foreign national employees that they desire to. But when we review these changes, you know, what we've seen large scale have been related to different segments of the immigration law arena. You know, we saw the DACA program, the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, that's been kept in place. The migrant protocol protections, the sort of asylum seekers remain in Mexico program has been revoked. The Muslim ban has been rescinded. But what we really haven't seen is anything specific to the employment and business immigration arena. We heard a lot of promises about those changes and how they'll be implemented, but that'll take time. So, you know, the the focus, I think, short term is it may be that there's something easier coming down the pipe. But I know a lot of immigration attorneys and the clients that we serve are wondering when will some of these Trump policies be undone? And I think most readily about the H-1B. And I think that's on my mind because H-1B season is right around the corner. It starts March, it'll be March 9th of this year. And, and yes, visas have a season. I compare it to hurricane season, but it's a season nonetheless. And so I think the, the H-1B is, is probably one of the most critical visas that employers use when we talk about highly skilled employees in specialty occupations. Now, Dan, I know you live and breathe immigration law, but for our listeners who are not as familiar with the H-1B visa, can you give us a little bit more background on that? What does that look like? Sure. So not all H-1Bs are created equal. It's a non-immigrant visa for temporarily hiring a foreign national, usually a highly skilled foreign national in a specialty occupation, as I said. And some of those H-1Bs are exempt from the statutory quota or the cap, as we call it. So there's cap exempt visas that won't really be the purpose of our discussion today. I think it's more relevant to discuss the cap subject H-1Bs because there are only 65,000 of those visas available every fiscal year and an additional 20,000 for foreign nationals who received a master's degree from a U.S. institution. So there's 85,000 visas available every fiscal year. And to give you an idea, last year, the fiscal year 2021, there were over 275,000 visa petitions for those 85,000. 
and the fiscal year 2022 won't start until October 1st, but the H-1B season will begin on March 9th of this year. Well, hopefully your H-1B visa season is a little bit calmer than the last hurricane season that we all experienced. (laughs) So President Biden has really hit the ground running and implementing his policy changes. What do you foresee as the changes to the H-1B program under the Biden administration? Well, I think a lot of quick solutions could be could be made. You know, under the Trump administration, there was this sort of prevailing theme of, of hire American, buy American, and the H-1B program kind of became the whipping boy. And we saw a lot of subtle changes and some policy tweaks that made things difficult for employers to use the H-1B to hire the workers that they needed. I think on a macro scale, we, we could hope for some H-1B reform and see an increase in those numbers or, or remove the cap altogether. That would certainly free up more visas for employers to, to get the high-skilled workers in the positions that they need. Now, you work with employers across the country on immigration law matters and employers in nearly every industry. Are there employers in specific industries who rely on H-1B more than others that really might benefit from the change in administration? Yes. Automatically, I think of healthcare and the tech sector. Those are employers who you know, readily hire individuals with high skill levels in software and programming type roles, research scientists in the healthcare industry. I mean, these are individuals who are hired because the employers are not able to find a U.S. worker who is as qualified and they need the visa in order to make those employment offers. If you remember a while back, Bill Gates talked about building his own island in the Pacific Ocean so he could hire all the tech workers he wanted and not be subject to any U.S. immigration laws. So there's a real need for an increase in those visas. But even I think just the way in which the visas are processed, the way in which they're allocated, you know, we could see some changes there and that would be helpful. Dan, have you seen any changes in terms of how H-1Bs are being allocated under the new administration? Yes. In fact, you know, on January 8th, the Trump administration then announced that they were going to do away with the normal lottery for the H-1B and that it was now going to be based on this wage prioritization scheme and to where those employers who agreed to pay the highest of the level four prevailing wage for the occupation they sought to sponsor for H-1B would receive priority in, in the allocation of those 85,000 visas. And so we were scrambling because we thought that we were going to have to advise our clients now about wage changes if they really wanted to to sponsor the H-1B for these employees. And that rule actually went went into the federal register. But the Biden administration, when they came into office, President Biden actually requested that all agencies consider a 60-day delay in implementing any federal register final rules that hadn't yet been enacted or hadn't yet taken effect. And so the 60-day delay would get us through H-1B season without this new wage prioritization that came about. And so then the Department of Homeland Security, USCIS, on February 4th, actually came out and said they were going to delay the implementation of the wage prioritization rule. And so we did see a change there. And and now we have you know, the, the same random lottery process that we've been with the last few years. So that was a change that we saw, and I think a change for the good. Now, Dan, some of your practice focuses on compliance and helping employers ensure that they're complying with applicable laws. 
what is the most common issue that you see employers fail to, to recognize when you're conducting an audit and, and helping employers make sure that they're on the right track? I think really, at least in the H-1B context, it's, it's very important that employers follow all of the, the posting regulations associated with the labor condition application for an H-1B sponsored employee. And also, I think it, it really, I mean, this is a lottery system we have. So you really want to make sure that if you're going to have the employer register for the lottery, that it's a position that actually qualifies for an H-1B. And that was some of the difficulty that we saw under the Trump administration with real challenges to what is a specialty occupation. I think the Trump administration, for the longest time, Homeland Security thought that sophomores in high school can write code. And so you don't need a a degree to be a software developer or software engineer. And so those are not specialty occupations. And so really, I think employers sometimes kind of rushed into the H-1B without really stepping back and, and analyzing the job duties and making sure that it qualified as a specialty occupation because there were a lot of RFEs, requests for evidence, issued by USCIS claiming or making the employer prove that the job was indeed a specialty occupation and it met the eligibility requirements for an H-1B. So I think having a good set of eyes on your job duties and your job title and making sure it's H-1B eligible from the start is good advice. So Dan, any final takeaways for employers with regard to immigration issues under the new administration? I think in concluding, I would offer some sentiments of optimism and that I hope that the new administration at least directs the agencies and we see the Department of Labor, the Department of State, the Homeland Security sort of come to grips with the reality of the U.S. labor market and the U.S. economy and that they understand that, you know, coming out of a pandemic, we're going to need to have policies in place that allow employers to hire the employees that they want so they can best produce their products, services for their customers, because that's going to stimulate and bolster our economy. And I'm also hopeful that we see some congressional movement here, that there's some bipartisan efforts to bring about comprehensive immigration reform, and that all areas of immigration law reap the benefits of that reform. Well, certainly a lot of changes in the pipeline. It'll be interesting to see how this all shakes out. Dan, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure visiting with you. Thank you, Tara. If you'd like to connect with Dan or any of our lawyers around the world, please search for them on the ELA website at ela.law. Just go to the big Find a Lawyer widget in the center of the page, where you can also sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers, get on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Tara Stingley. Thanks so much for listening.